So you're a woman of color. Hi. True. Hi. <laughs> Um, actually, what's kind of funny about that is that um, I was taking, um, so I started doing stand-up a little over a year ago, and I got into it by taking a class, and there was actually a gentleman in that class, and one of the jokes that I say is like, you know, my name's Betsida, and most of the time people look at me and they go, oh, Betsida, that's an interesting name, but like, I know what you really want to ask is, why don't you look like me? And this gentleman in the class which I still think is a pretty solid joke. Um, the gentleman in the class was like, I don't, I don't understand the joke. He's like, is the premise that you're brown? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's the premise of the joke. And, and then he really was like, well, yeah, that wasn't really funny to me because I don't see color. And he was white, I assume. Yeah, no, he was an older white gentleman. Um, and I... Like, I didn't even know what to do with that. Because in the same breath you just said, oh, you're brown, which he clearly saw, and then tried to tell me that he didn't even notice that we're all, like, human, which I just think is so stupid. (laughs) And it's so hard for me to, like, wrap my head around. And, like, I mean, kind of like, I, you know, I don't think anyone is intentionally trying to be horrible or bad or, like, you know, ugly people. But I just think that in their attempt to be so great or welcoming or whatever they think they're trying to do, they're just alienating people. So that was like, that's a very, (laughs) that was probably like the most uh, like palpable (laughs) that I've ever, like that kind of like hit you in like the comedy world of like, how has that been for you as a teacher? Uh, Because it's something, you know, like when I started putting this podcast together and creating like the wish list and the master's list and then people I definitely want to talk to, all of a sudden I was like, whoa, because like the first bunch of names that spewed out of my brain, all white males. And then and then I was looking at the females on that and some of them have been in the game a really long time, like Susan Messing and Jill Bernard. But as I look at the females, they're um, a bit younger and haven't been in as long, which makes sense because they weren't on stage as fast and as soon as when the improv movement began. So they can't get into the classroom until that. So how has that been for you as a teacher? I'm trying to think of like all the teachers that I've had. I mean, besides like kind of like camp workshops, you know, where you kind of have like a quick one off or like at a festival. um, I haven't really had a lot of opportunities to have kind of ongoing teaching with someone, anyone of color, actually, that I can think of. I mean, everybody's been um, been white instructors. So, yeah, (laughs) just trying to think about that. I'm like, you know, and but I think in a way which is kind of unfortunate that what is not really surprising to me so I don't think I really expected it to be any different I I I totally understand the value of like representation and how important that is um but I think like maybe I'm so jaded that I'm just kind of like oh I didn't expect there to be (laughs) representation so I didn't go into it like expecting that do you feel that you're um that when you teach do you ever do you do you ever feel like you, you there's higher expectations of you coming in or do you feel like you don't even have to, you just get to teach and that's, I mean, I, I bet that there are, um, I, I feel it more from kind of like, uh, like older white, especially males. Cause I just think that there's this, 
Um, and it's not across the board cause that's not true. Um, but I've had a couple experiences where it definitely felt like they were waiting for me to prove myself, which just, you know, and that, that they probably would have treated anybody that way, but especially cause I was a, you know, I'm a young woman of, of color. Um, I think the one thing that really stands out for me uh, as far as like because of who I am and how I can teach versus how I've seen kind of, you know, some other instructors that are, you know, I would say like my equals or even, you know, have been doing it longer um, that are people that I admire is uh, the way that I can talk about race in scene work. And I'll just say it like most most white people that I talk to who are instructors of improv um, won't touch it and are very scared to go there. And I feel that uh, I don't mind going there because I feel like it's a real conversation that should happen anyway. And like these characters to like, you know, uh, and to talk it out without like trying to prove anything. Do you purposely bring it up or do you wait till it happens in scenes and then stop a scene and start the conversation? I let it roll out and I try to encourage people to treat it like it's real. So, and it happens. I mean, like literally this just happened um, on Wednesday uh, at a, I was doing a workshop and the scene started with, it was two, two men are in the scene. They're both, uh, have maybe different backgrounds, but definitely could pass for white. And, the scene started with just them saying like, I'm so excited. I got the job. And the other guy saying like, yeah, you know, the boss only gave it to you cause he's racist and you didn't want to give it to the black guy. Like that, that was how a scene started. And I feel that other people would be like, well, let's stop the scene. And I'm like, no, let's play this out because that is real that could like have really been said to someone. So then how do these characters react to that? And if that offends the, you as your character, use that. Talk about it in the scene. Uh, what kind of skill level of improvisers were these? They, it was a drop-in, so it was mixed. It was a mixed bag. Okay, yeah. Because I definitely think, for me personally, when you said that, I was like, ooh, if that's a level one, I'm stopping that for a variety of reasons. One is it's going to go into a hole that I don't know any of us really like want to go into, like you're saying. But if it was for me, like, again, the, the way it hit me is like, okay, it was advanced students. Maybe I let it go and see what happens. But yeah, I, uh, or stop it and have a conversation. So did you, so afterwards, were you able to have a conversation? Yeah, we were able to have, well, what happened was that the, the guy who, was on the uh, like who was told that he only got the job because he wasn't the black applicant um kind of like freaked out in the scene because he didn't really know what to do with that and so i was like use that like how do you how do you really feel about that like if this is real in this world so he kind of like went through it and it was kind of it was awkward and it was weird and then we just had like a quick conversation with the group about you know that when we're doing improv, like it's not, it's not always going to be like pretty and that's not the goal, but it's just to kind of like use this opportunity to explore some things. And I feel that not that it was like the most brilliant scene, but I do think it gives people an opportunity to kind of think about it. And I, I feel like at some point people who were there are going to remember that scene and have thoughts and hopefully conversations and literally great. Right. Yeah. I mean, and then, I, 
improv's doing what it needs to do then, which is exciting, right? Like, it's starting conversations and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, for as much as I love just getting on stage and being a, an idiot, but, <laughs> you know, but I, it really does so much of that other stuff. All right, so let's start. So we were, we're going to dig deeper into this as we go along. Do you remember the first class you taught? Um, the first class that I taught, I was a TA at a, a community college. So I got to teach a couple of the exercises, but it wasn't fully my class. But I think that that would count as like the first time I taught. When you were a TA at the time, were you part of um, the college's program or what were you, were you studying? What was going on? Yeah, I was studying. um, So I was doing the theater program. I, that was how I was like kind of formally introduced to improv. Technically I had taken one improv class when I was abroad, even though I didn't understand what was happening. Um, so that was interesting too, because I got to be an outsider, pretty hardcore and do improv in Spain. When did you, do, when did you figure out that you really enjoyed teaching improv? I think it was a, a little ways after that, because I, even when I was a TA, I didn't realize that I loved it. Um, cause the way that the class was set up was just kind of like, we were just kind of like, you know, goof around which honestly is fun. Um, but when I'm like in my element and the way that I like to teach is I like to kind of blend the psychology and like how, you know, how we function and how we work and, um, and kind of, uh, self care kind of bigger principles of like how to, you know, your mindset and all that stuff and blend that in with like improv so that, I personally believe that when you're really living by the principles of improv, you're a better human being. So I really like to kind of help people be better human beings, whatever that means to them, just kind of keep them open and um, excited and willing to connect. So how does that play in when you're creating a curriculum then? Um, are you, you kind of just going with the sort of like, do you look at your exercises and see if they meet those needs and the needs of where you are with the improv? Or do you look at the improv first and then figure out how that exercise, like then how it would fit in with that philosophy as well? I feel like it's a little bit of everything, but mostly because like I, everything I kind of think about is through that lens. Like I can't help but think of like the improv and like the, the psychology, that philosophy of life. So it's not like super hard to combine them for me. I'm just always thinking about that. Um, oh, I was going to say, like, I grew up in the church, like in a, a very, very uh, church heavy family. So we were Pentecostal, you know, so that's like, I mean, that's an intense kind of church. That's like, you know, girls, when I was growing up, we were not allowed to wear pants, you know, no makeup. It was like all Jesus all the time. Um, and like everything, everything that happened in in your life or everything that happened in every day and every moment, there was a a lesson in it that Jesus was trying to like communicate something. So I feel like even though I'm not actively part of the church at all anymore, that kind of skill is still like in the back of my mind is kind of like, okay, this just happened. What's the deeper meaning? What's the purpose of this? And that has been really helpful in kind of creating curriculums because I'm like, okay, I want them to do this stupid thing where they all run around and, you know, try to uh, lick the curtain. Why? Like, what's the the point of it? (laughs) You've done a a lot. So let's... um... 
where what are you doing now consistently um and then like because you were running weren't you running remind me again because you were running a program yeah Yeah. i was running a theater yeah um so me and my partner in um 2011 um started blacktop comedy um which is like we opened in a suburb in roseville which is just outside of sacramento california we did it specifically because we were like, there's not a lot of things happening in the suburbs. Like, it's a very interesting, like, community um, to be a part of. Um, and it was also interesting because it's uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty white community, to be honest, also. So that was interesting um, just to be a part of. I mean, if I think back on it, I might have done things differently, but I don't regret any of it. So with that program, um, did what were, were you, you were obviously teaching there, and yeah. then um, did you guys have, like, was it just you teaching, or did you have other teachers? Um, we had a couple other teachers, um, but I was the one who kind of created the curriculum. How did you decide then, um, did you have, like, a train-the-trainer, or is it teachers that... Um, what kind of vetting process, or if if you had that luxury, to uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> like so. no, yeah, it's uh, so I definitely have learned a lot, and right now I'm in the uh, kind of utilizing some of the things that I've learned from you know being at Blacktop. So back then we were such a small community that we didn't really have kind of that opportunity. So it was really kind of folks that had enough experience that we thought that they could teach. We just kind of were like, hey, let's let's get you in shadowing the teachers that are teaching. Um, so at first it was just me and my partner who were teaching. And then we brought on like two other teachers just trying to show them how to do it. Um, I think in some ways it it worked out of necessity, but it wasn't ideal, you know. So um, now I'm kind of doing my own thing now that I'm in like, you know, Sacramento, which is a lot more, um, it's not a suburb. It's not a suburb. We're like right in like kind of the city and like what we call Midtown and, uh, and kind of getting things started again, as far as doing some different workshops. So I'm doing a weekly drop in and doing some train the trainer. And this time I really learned that and how to do things better. You know, in my in my day job, I I am a trainer. Like that's what I do. Um, you know, my nine to five is I'm a trainer and a wellness coach, and so I get to you know travel throughout California doing doing trainings, and I've been able to train uh, under a more experienced, advanced trainers, and I've had the opportunity to train trainers underneath me to kind of you know pass on that knowledge and recognizing some of the things that we do really well in like. Um, how that can be applied to improv is really kind of having a trainer manual and a guide. So it's not just like, Oh, here's a curriculum because honestly I like I could give somebody the curriculum of what I'm going to do. And that doesn't mean that they're going to execute it in the same way that I would. Cause there's all these other things that I'm thinking about that I haven't written down, you know, like engagement and like, uh, like, you know, checking in with people and all those things and all the, you know, the way that I'm composing myself, all the nonverbal cues that I'm giving my students, um, 
the, the simple and easy ways that you're always trying to kind of like support and validate people. Somebody who maybe hasn't been trying a lot of things actually gets up and does something. You want to make sure you're, you know, and you get it. You're like nodding your head, you know, you want to be like, yeah, like, like nice, like good job. Like, yeah, like get in there. Like, and those things, um, they aren't, that aren't the, that's not just the curriculum. That's like understanding how to be a teacher how to do and like an improv teacher because it's totally you have to do it and you have to model it yeah the modeling piece is a, a really big part of it right and that's um all of those things are a big part of it I mean I'm just thinking about like we uh we had done this like mini workshop thing and a few of us taught and we we noticed though that we were only um afterwards we we talked about it afterwards but we noticed that together as this little mini team uh coming at these some of these students we were stopping and giving all these course corrections but never once did we stop and be like that was great which i do naturally when i'm just by myself as a teacher but it was interesting in like this sort of like multi-teacher thing and we all said to each other next time we do this we're specifically going to stop a scene or pull someone to give them notes just on the fact that we were really excited to see what they just did. And we'd really, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, or like I had a student, uh, well, not actually not a student anymore, a, a, a Herald player um, initiated a game the other night, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but for this player, the fact that they yeah. initiated a game was like a huge deal. So I told his coach, I was like, please, 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 put that in part of your notes, right? Like that has to be acknowledged. No, I think that's so true. And I think a lot of times people, like you're saying it, it, cause I've done it too, where you kind of get so focused on trying to shape what they're doing. So you're hyper aware of where they're failing. Um, but like, it means so much to catch people when they're doing it right. Or they're supporting each other, you know, and think, and like, cause I, I like, that's one of my favorite kind of notes to give is where I'm paying attention and I catch someone, not the person who started it necessarily, but the person who jumped in without hesitation and supported. Cause like a lot of times those people don't get the positive feedback, but that's so important. Yeah. And so good that you guys talk about it and recognize cause that I did that for a while before I realized like, Oh, nobody wants to keep trying something that they just get point like you're just pointing out all the things they're doing bad i don't know if you've noticed this but i also noticed that um student i mean first of all i mean first of all there's the universal we're the hardest on ourselves and all that stuff but i also find when i ask students to check in with themselves and i'm like okay uh give me you know like two things that you still feel challenged with and like three things you think you're doing really great the things that they're challenged with they rattle off no problem the things that they're great at they just sit and like stare at the ceiling so stop being so hard on yourself so i feel like okay well you're not gonna voice it i'll voice it right yeah that's so true right and if you keep failing at something at some point you're not gonna want to you're just not gonna want to keep at it so you have yeah. to you have to put those positive. We call, I call it positive behavior supports from my behavior background. So you have to put in those positive behavior supports. Um, I just it's all yeah it's a huge thing. So yeah. Um, so with this sort of like now that you've got all this kind of thing, um, with drop ins to me are um, hard. Or do you shape it based on the people that are in the room? 
So I usually try to have at least an idea of like kind of in general, what are we, what are we going to work on today? You know, so that like kind of everything that we're doing short form, long form. And I also like to have like a little bit of a mix. So it's not just like, cause I, I personally, that's more for me. Cause like when I did only short form, um, drop-in workshops I kind of was like okay like I want there to be something a little bit more exciting for me as a like an instructor coach to have like feedback about uh so I kind of do a mix and just have an idea of like you know well what is it that we're working on um try to have it simple so it's like okay we're working on you know saying it like getting it out of your head and saying it so then we'll just do a you know I'll try to put things together that kind of hit to that um but then also I'm, I try to stay flexible because if in the workshop, it's obvious that they're having, you know, issues with X, Y, Z, or like maybe there's a lull in energy, we might, you know, kind of just throw in something else that, you know, either is either going to focus on where there's issues or, uh, you know, do a warm up in the middle of the workshop that brings the energy back literally like is just trying to stay open and paying attention to what the group needs. Getting exercise idea. I think it's really important, especially for new teachers. Sometimes like you just said, like I'll do a warm up That'll get the high energy up. What are some warm ups that you really like for that? Oh, I personally love, um, fuzzy duck. So I'll explain even though I know you know what it is. Um, and I've, so I've taken like, uh, but so the way that I play it, I don't know if I've seen anyone else play it exactly that way, but I think it's really fun. So, you know, it kind of goes around the circle. So you say fuzzy duck and it passes on fuzzy duck, but anyone can stop it and say, does he? And, uh, and then it switches and it goes ducky fuzz and it goes in the opposite direction. So you can see kind of the fun of it is that soon somebody is probably going to say, does he fuck and fuck, fucky duck and fuck he does and all kinds of uh, just kind of just nonsense, um, which is fun. But then what I like the little adding pieces, and I took this from a different game that I saw as a warm up um, is when someone messes up, they call themselves on it, first of all, and they have to leave the circle and do one lap before they come back to the circle. So not only is somebody like saying, fuck he does, and then like panicking, now they're running around the circle and it just makes the energy for everybody huge. And anytime someone messes up, we all have like this roarious laugh because it's just like, you know, kind of naughty and hilarious. And it's just like so much swirly good energy. Do you find you differentiate your notes if you have like, do you, ha- I guess the first question is uh, right now with like the drop-ins, do you have regulars? Um, yeah, yeah, I do. And I mean, and I, and I have a team that I regularly coach. Um, and then I have, uh, I do kind of a learning series where I, I am, you know, it's kind of actually fun. So the idea is, um, it's the improv playhouse and then all, they're all named like playing with blank. And so we're like playing with joy, um, playing it slow. That one's a kind of a little bit, a little different, um, playing with confidence, um, playing, you know, just kind of like this. So that's kind of fun. And that's kind of where I get to blend a little bit more of, cause I like those things, like the idea of joy or confidence or like patience and playing it slow. That's like lifeless, like life skills also. But so then there, there are people that have taken like all of the workshops that I've done and some regulars that come to the drop in. So, yeah, I think I think that if I know what you're trying to accomplish, 
that helps me give you notes. Um, I don't necessarily jump into giving like strong notes to people who are there for the first time because I literally don't know their intention because maybe they their entire goal was to show up and then what would I give them notes about? It's like, you showed up, good job. Um, but then some people that I happen to know, like they're really working on, you know, connecting with their partner and establishing a relationship, then it's like, okay, yeah. And like, I absolutely can give you, you know, notes about when you're doing that really well and maybe where you need to work on it. So in the warm-ups, not the warm-ups, the drops, I think this is also really helpful. Like what are some tactics you use uh, when you're starting like a drop-in class to help build some trust and cohesion with a group of people who are not working together week by week consistently? Part of it is just jumping into a warm up and like modeling how like fully committing to it. Like I, I am never trying to look cool. Like I will full out be an, like, just like I'm so in it. Um, and that gives people, I think, permission to be, to let go and be in it. Um, I also work really hard at learning people's names. I think that that helps. Um, and I always try to have some warm up where we have to use each other's names because once somebody knows your name and they keep using it, I feel like you instantly feel like they get you. And it's just kind of a shortcut to connection. I think it's hard though. I mean, I think it's hard to like be present and focused, you know, forever and ever. I think, you know, you could probably relate to that. It's like, you know, you know, if you've been doing it for a couple of years, like I don't think we recognize burnout as much as we should. Like, I think sometimes we just need to do less for some time. Cause I mean, like, yeah, that's, it's hard to be that on as an instructor for, you know, ongoing forever and ever. It's just like, I'm not sure that's reasonable, actually, if I think about it. <laughs> and I feel like you probably had this too, um, especially now and with Blacktop and stuff for like, because you were one of the few teachers, you had to take on a lot. And so... Um, so, like, for the first time after having the theater itself open in three years, I let someone else teach a different level of class um, because up until that point, it had only been me because we just I just didn't have anybody else who – I didn't have a partner to open the theater with or any of that stuff, which, you know, that can be both good and bad, right? And that class sort of ended, and one of the people in it I kind of know, and, and she's still doing stuff, and she gives me feedback, and she's like – that person was really, really great, but that person wasn't you. And I was like, but that, but I, I can't, like, I, I saw it. I was like, I can't, like, I had that person teach that class because that mix of students, I just couldn't do it with them anymore. Like, I was like, you all need a different voice. I need to step away for the next six, eight weeks and go to, like, stupid trivia. And it's hard because you care about your students, you know, they, like, they're almost, it's like a family relationship. So it's hard to, because you want them to get like the most out of everything. And um, I know like I feel for whatever reason, like weirdly, not responsible, but I have like, I do have such a reaction to when like my students go and go to other workshops and it, they have a bad experience. 
like, I'm fine if they go to workshops, but if they come back and they tell me they had a bad experience at a workshop, I, it like, it feels ugly to me. Because I just want improv to be great everywhere. So, yeah, and I don't know why that is. Yeah, I have students who will come to me after a bidding, have, like, coming to me after, like, just for the first time, learn, you know, like, they'll get through our, like, level one or whatnot, and they'll be like, um, uh, where I, you know, what my other experiences before was nothing like this, and oh, I get why improv is so great now, and I'm just like, oh my god, like I don't, I'm so like I, I right exactly like I take it on, and I feel so bad, and then I like I want to make sure that people are just having this in their life because it can make it so much better, but that really can take its toll on you as a person, and I'm sure you weren't just doing teacher stuff when you were with blacktop either and like you said you coach now and perform and all that stuff so yeah it's finding that balance is it can be really um it can be really difficult i also don't like to go long periods of time without teaching <laughs> no absolutely because if you take too long and it's like oh what am i what am i doing i feel like maybe my 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 reasoning is a little bit different but I definitely, when I don't teach um, ongoing, I just, I miss it. Like, I just feel like, then I'm just like giving people feedback that never asked for it, you know? And I just like, I need that venue. <laughs> like, I need people to say, but Saida, what are your thoughts? Because I have so many and I just need permission. <laughs> like, like, Truth be told, that might be most of my motivation. <laughs> Try to remember that it's never personal. So if they don't like my feedback, um, that's honestly fine <laughs> um, but I always try to encourage them to like, okay, like but don't throw it away. Sit with it and then decide how you feel about it. Um, because I think a lot of times that's more about them and they were probably feeling maybe insecure already about X, Y, Z. And then I just looked at them and said, Hey, X, Y, Z. And I just left them naked on stage. So I can understand why they don't like it. Um, but I, I'm like, you still like, at least need to recognize, like, take it in, <laughs> think about it. And then if you're still like, no, I don't. I don't want to listen to that note. Then that's absolutely their choice. Um, uh, it's so funny that we have to remind ourselves about like they're pushing back, and that's not personal. We're giving them a note that isn't about them as a person either. We're just giving them a note on, but they, right? And yet we all take it so personally. I think that that's a thing. We all, like as humans, we just like take everything super personal, like. Yeah. Who was that? The, when they were saying like, you know, um, people are not thinking about you nearly as much as you think they are. So it's just funny. Like, and just try, I, I just try to be, I try to be empathetic and sensitive to, to my students that especially the ones that have a really hard time with that. Um, cause a lot of times when I've kind of taken the time to kind of get to know them as people, like outside of just being my students, um, they got some, some serious shit going on. So that's, and so then I go, Oh, that's why, that's why that happened. That, that I, okay. 
<laughs> you know? Having, like, because, again, because also being in a smaller community and all of that kind of stuff. So I may not find out stuff about people, but, like, I will eventually, because we're a small enough community, and because for so long I've been, like, the only teacher and stuff, I land up finding out a lot about things. And I'm like, oh, that's exactly why you behave like that on stage. But it's also not for me to share this with the classroom. So I can't, like, so when people get frustrated with you on stage and I see it, I'm like, but you don't understand. They're so broken inside. Yeah. And it's for a lot of different things. Or they're kind of like, they're trying to, they're going through something and they're kind of using the stage to process. And I think, like, but it's also like a cool opportunity in my mind for the people who are working with them, who is who their scene partner, because yeah, maybe they are a difficult performer in that moment, but in our improv lives and in our real lives, we're going to come across people who are difficult and challenging. So this is a cool learning opportunity for you when the stakes are very low. It's just a workshop. I'm the only one who's paying attention really to what's happening. Figure out, figure out what you can do. Like build, build that toolbox for yourself. I say that a lot to a lot of people because I'll get like emails or something like, I'm not sure how to do this or that. And I'm like, you need to flip that script and be like, this is not a problem. This is a challenge for you and your improv growth to take the tools that you do have and use them. And then if you're still feeling stuck for us to find some new tools for you. Um, you know, because I, I hear that a lot of like, oh, you can just get into a scene with anybody. That just didn't, didn't happen, though. I worked at it. like. Yeah. And I think and it's so good, too, because like when people recognize that and they're like, oh, OK, it's on me. Like to take a little more personal responsibility. Like it's not just for the teachers to make a comfortable space for everyone. Like obviously, like I'm taking care of my students and I'm not letting anybody just like, you know, be hurtful or malicious because that's not okay but a little bit of challenge is is good I mean that's why you you know you signed up for this class you wanted to learn something so you got to get a little bit uncomfortable to learn yeah you're not gonna you're not gonna learn if you are just in your comfort zone like what's there's like just no point and sometimes I think they just need to be reminded of that I always use the term getting comfortable being uncomfortable like that's my that's my big thing um kind of thing have you ever had to ask someone to leave a class? Sure. Um, they were, it's like an obvious thing because they just really weren't um, able to be part of the class. Um, I don't know if they were on some some substance. I'm not really sure. Um, but they weren't really capable of like listening or following direction. And so they, it was, as soon as it became apparent that they were, uh, a danger and a, li- a giant liability. Um, yeah, I had to escort them out. Yeah. Yeah, I 
I don't know. I think for for some reason, like that doesn't stress me out. Like having to be confrontational. Um, I mean, I don't love it. I'm not like looking for opportunities to be confrontational, but uh, I also feel like it's a little bit of a, like an acting exercise, you know, like in the same way where I've had to like, you know, talk to people about when it, it hasn't, if they're not working with their team anymore, you know, so kind of one of those, you know, those conversations where like, Hey, maybe you need to rethink like how this is going. Like, how do you think it's going? And, um, not necessarily intending to fire someone, but hoping that they recognize it for themselves. But even if they don't like actually having to fire people, um, I, this is going to be super cheesy or whatever, but, um, so I'm a, I'm, I'm a Beyonce fan. Not like, I'm not like the biggest Beyonce fan, but you know, like any normal mouth breather, uh, breather should be a fan of Beyonce. And, and she talks about how like she'll get in this mode where she's no longer Beyonce. She's Sasha Fierce. And I was like, oh, and she's like, and so when she has to do the things that like are uncomfortable for her, like she even said, like getting up on stage and being like, I'm the boss, which is not something she comfortably wants to do. She puts on the Sasha Fierce and just rocks it. And I remember thinking how amazing for all the things that I don't want to do to kind of just put on this character that's really just like Betsida as a badass. And it's honestly been super helpful to me. What advice do you have for someone who's maybe thinking about being a teacher? I would say um, before you figure out your how you want to do it, really deeply understand your why. Because there are moments um, that, you know, can be frustrating um, because maybe the students aren't getting what you're trying to do um, or they don't like what you're trying to, you know, highlight for them or um, you didn't get as many people to register for your class as you had hoped that you would. And there's, you know, lots of, lot, I mean, it, it's on and on reasons why you might get um, kind of discouraged about being an improv teacher. And I think if you really deeply understand why you're doing it, that makes it easier to get through some of that harder stuff. So like for me at my core, I think that improv makes you a better human and I want the world to be filled with better humans. That's why I do it. Felt like, have you had, I guess people approach you and stuff and being like, how do I make a space for myself in this improv world? Um, it hasn't really been my experience with it. I think that more of what I've experienced is, and I think also because maybe it's like a little bit smaller and then in other spaces. Um, but because of what improv has been in my area, um, there's not that many people of color who are that interested in doing it. And that's actually harder because I remember um, a couple years ago, I really wanted to, to do um, an all Spanish, like an all Spanish uh, like workshop and jam. And I just really couldn't get the interest because um, people were like that. What are, what are you guys doing that? I've seen that it's dumb. It's not for us. Um, so that's, been so it's interesting because it's really trying to 
and I think that if, if there were more people doing things that were different, you know, like, I don't know. That's the one cool thing about going to festivals is that like you get to see groups trying different things. And I'm always like kind of a little more on the edge of my seat when I'm like, okay, like this is a group that's like, you know, going to do some, something like a little more diverse as far as like they're, they're pulling from their own experiences or, you know, I saw in, um, in LA, there was a group, I want to say they were called El Chisme, which is like the, the gossip as in Spanish for the gossip. And so that was kind of fun. And they would like, they would go back and forth and they would get like a piece of like juicy gossip from the audience. And their whole set was bilingual. It would, they would just flow in and out of it. And it was just like really cool. (laughs) And definitely like the kind of thing that I had been trying to put together in Sacramento, but I just don't think that there's enough people in Sacramento who get improv and have an interest in doing it that could do that. So yeah, it's, it's hard to, you know, I don't know for the people who want to find a a space. I think that it's important to make sure that there are those spaces, but I honestly think that there's a group of really talented people that just don't even understand that improv could be for them. And to me, that's, that's the harder thing. Like, that's kind of where I'm like, I don't know how to fix that. We have to be mindful of who's being represented on stage and it can't just be one homogenous group of people being on stage, but to get people up on stage, you've got to get them trained in this art form first. Cause yeah. Um, cause that's kind of my thing. Um, it's kind of my jam right now is that something that happened that was just naturally happened in the very beginning is we skewed female. And I think part of that was because I was a female leading a company and I made sure that, um, our teams were 50, 50. And in fact, the team I play on now, it's four women, three men. And that, and I didn't go out searching this, but it just turned out that my team also has like a woman of color, a person of color, an LGBTQ, like, and, and like all this, and like age ranges and stuff. And I'm like, oh, we're like a little unicorn team. Isn't that exciting? I guess. I don't know. We just, it's just how it worked. So I'm glad that we can represent that on our stage. But as we start to fill classes, and because you're not going to be like, I'm not running this class because it's only white males coming through, right? Like that's not, you can't do that for business reasons. We're starting to skew back toward being male dominated. Um, And I'm very mindful of that. And I don't, it's like, it's not like, I want to keep it 50, 50 as much as possible. Um, to the point where I'm like, where, you know, and then going above and beyond just the male female ratio and then, and pushing into everything. And it's, so then it's reaching out to these other communities who don't even a know what it is or B think it's for them and, yeah. and giving them the sell on like, no, this is a space for you. Yeah. And it's a space for you to hone a voice that you may not even know you have yet. But I think that's a huge challenge. Especially in a market like where you are and where I am, because I'm not, I mean, I'm close enough to Orlando, um, but Orlando still isn't like an L.A. or a Chicago or a New York City. and Or a San Francisco even, yeah, where there's, I mean, I don't know. 
to me, it's really interesting because Sacramento, Sacramento actually is a really interesting space because um, we're actually the the most diverse city in the entire country. Um, but diverse as far as like the many different kinds of people that live here, but also how integrated it is. It's actually, that's what it is, the most integrated city. Um, so then there's other cities that have maybe more diversity, but they're like, this block belongs to this group and this next block belongs to this group. And Sacramento's rather integrated. Um, so for me, it felt like, oh, well, this is a perfect place to kind of get lots of people, you know, doing improv. And um, it's still a challenge. I mean, I think that it's hard to, to find folks who are underrepresented and then tell them that like, this could be you. And then having them be the ones to be like, be the first ones. I'm, you're, yeah, that's what we're asking people to do is like, hey, come on, be a trailblazer. And I and I get why not everybody's like super pumped about that, you know, and it's I mean, and it's hard to be, you know, like the woman on the team or like, oh, you know, the brown woman on the team um, or you know what I mean? Like that, like I know that because I mean, I, I've been that person where I was the only female on a team Um or the only non-white person. It was like me and a, and, uh, and an Asian uh, gentleman. So it was just kind of like, it's, it's not, it's not like super fun. So I totally get why people wouldn't jump at the chance, but I don't haven't figured out how to make it more mainstream. Cause like this, the, the wealth of knowledge is so much greater there's just experiences that they can pull from that like, you know, not all experiences are like, you know, a heterosexual white male born in the U S of a, like that's even a thing simply with age, right? Like you can totally tell a difference of a team that, um, not only has like, uh, the years in improv, but are also not just 22, right? Like, they have so much more to draw from. And um, and I'm not saying that white males don't have anything to draw from, but when you put every one of everything together, there's just more wealth for us to create more exciting worlds from. Um, and and more and different experiences and, and, and to think, things that you would not have experienced because right. your experience was not, that wasn't your experience. Right. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, yeah, this is a, this is an ongoing, um, an ongoing thing. Uh, I mean, it's part of, for, for me personally, it's part of my, um, it's part of my just mission to make sure that even if I'm not successful at it, at least I know I'm constantly trying to have the conversation about it. Yeah. Um, and I have the conversation on time with the people who, like the people who do teach and the people who coach and the other players in our community and stuff um, about it. And then like uh, with the Central Florida Improv Festival, you know, rolling out next year, um, I've already reached out to like some people on the East Coast who, because it would be easy, it's easier for me, obviously to come down to Florida from there. Um, 
to make sure that that it's clear that that's also part of the improv festival's mission. I think that's cool because, like, the more that we have diversity, I think, at festivals, too, because I know a lot of troops travel to festivals and that kind of opens their eyes to what else is out there, you know, like, because sometimes what I've definitely seen is that, like, groups um, are formed from a theater, you know, so they're like a theater is formed by a group and that group is known for doing a kind of very specific style of show. And so then they start training all the people that come out of their little theater in that same style, which totally they should, because that's what they're good at. But it's like when they get to go to festivals, then they're like, whoa, there's more out there. And I think that'd be a cool opportunity, too, for them to see like, oh, and the representation and diversity and and different ways of storytelling that we can start to think about and incorporate. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's just important to listen and it's important to know you're going to screw up the conversation, but keep having the conversation. It's just like improv. Like you're gonna get up, you're gonna get on stage and mess it up, but you keep getting up on stage. Yeah. Like you don't just stop because it's like, well, that was uncomfortable. I'm never doing that again. Like that goes back to everything we were just talking about in terms of teaching and being a student. Like, right. And 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 so when people feel like I don't want to talk about that because it makes me uncomfortable, exactly. You're just saying I want to stay exactly where I am and don't ask me to move or to stretch or to grow. And I just think like that's that's one. It's lame and it's pitiful and it's pretty unacceptable. <laughs> like, um, so do you have any um, final thoughts? Um, so one thing, and I haven't tested it yet, um, but one thing that, and so I actually took this idea from um, C-Tree Improv, and so they're out of, um, I want to say Hartford, Connecticut, and so they do um, these pay-it-forward tickets for their shows, so they're encouraging and, like, building their community by, like, you know, if you purchase a ticket, it kind of it stays on this wall, and then anyone who would like to use it, no questions asked, is allowed to use it. I think that it's a really wonderful idea and I started implementing it with my drop-in workshops because I do think that that's a, a cool opportunity. Um, and to me, it feels like really improv to to give without knowing where it's going to go, but like giving because you care and you want to be a part of what's happening. Um, and I, my hope in doing that too is that for those people... Um, especially who typically don't do improv. And it's not that they, you know, because honestly, I don't think that it's like, oh, people can't afford it. I don't even think that that's the issue. Is it like, why would you invest in something that you're not even sure about? Like, I'm thinking of the people that I try to get involved in, like, you know, my Spanish improv thing. If I was like, hey, do you want to come, you know, spend $10 on like a workshop or more than that? They'd be like, no, what is, like, why would I do improv? Like, that makes no sense. So it's, I'm hoping that that encourages folks that are kind of like, I don't like on the fence or even like, don't really get it um, to just come try it. Cause there's nothing. Um, it doesn't, you know, like it's like, well, you got nothing to lose. Give it a shot. Where do people find you if they want to find you online? Um, I, you can find me at betsidealebron.com. So it's B-E-T-S-A-I-D-A-L-E-B-R-O-N.com. Um, and on 
And then there's links to all my social media, which I'm not that active on social media, but um, yeah, Facebook and Twitter, the normal stuff. 